Evidently, I must have something really important to say this morning because, uh, boy, we have been fighting with it and it's just been glitching and acting up. And so we're just going to press on. We're not going to let it shake us or move us. We're going to move in the right direction. So um, uh, that's the biggest challenge that we face. But while we're doing that, uh, while everything is messing up, I may as well go back here and get my notes while I'm here. And... Uh, um, but it does give me a chance to also talk about the reason we need YouTube. You see, if we had that live YouTube stream, we would have one opportunity right now that would still be going, or and Zoom. And so if you have not had a chance to go to City on a Hill Church's YouTube channel, even if you have to create your own uh, um, uh, user information, it's all free. But they don't allow you to live stream on YouTube unless you have 1,000 subscribers. It seems almost insurmountable to the point where I wasn't even thinking of even attempting it. But my wife's like, we always answer the bell. So we're at 127 right now, but that's not enough. So if you have a YouTube, if you don't have one, go create a YouTube channel on every device that you have and then uh, log it in and then we'll be able to go live on Zoom, YouTube and Facebook and we won't be shutting down our, um, our ability to reach our online audience who desperately need this message just as much as you do. So YouTube, City on a Hill, Dash FL, go there. Uh, log in and once we get a thousand subscribers I meet with a person on Tuesday that's going to be here and get us set up so that we'll be able to be live on three platforms on Sunday morning we will be on YouTube we will be on Facebook we will be on zoom simultaneously so that people can reach because one of the other reasons is people are sick of social media and people are giving up on social media and I'm not sad about that aside from the fact that Facebook is our one way of getting connected some of the people are only staying on Facebook because of the fact that they get to church on Sunday morning so we're trying to give people that opportunity because Facebook has become so toxic and social media has become so toxic that it's actually ruining people's uh, relationship uh, relationships with others and faith. So we're trying our best to meet that. So if I didn't mention it, I'll mention it again. YouTube, go there, subscribe. My wife and I count for four, two different devices for each of us, and we've logged in. So do that for us. I'm assuming that we're live here right now, and uh, we're going to continue on. We're in a series called Sorry. We're in a series called Sorry, and the series is really, it's straight out of God's Word, in case you haven't noticed my t-shirt, uh, straight out of God's Word. And so we're going to kind of take some time and talk about the importance of forgiveness in our lives first. If anybody who's ever had to be forgiven for anything, you know how it feels when somebody just forgives you. And you know you don't deserve it. You know what you did was wrong. And you know they forgave you and they're not bringing it up again. There's something unbelievable about that, isn't it? It's unbelievable because we can't believe that someone would be so merciful to us. And so, so I think it's important for us to put something else into perspective. The other thing that's in perspective, perspective is God has forgiven you fully. 100% fully. He's not like humans who bring it back up. 
God never again brings up your path. He doesn't say, remember when you, remember when you, remember when you. He doesn't ever do that to you because he chooses the omniscient, all-knowing God chooses not to remember your mistakes. That's what the Bible says. That's straight out of God's word. That's why I wore the shirt today. So you understand we're coming straight out of God's word. And so, so here's, what I, here's what I know. That should have a profound influence in your life and my life. An unbelievable influence in your life and actually should transform the way we deal with ourselves because we are the hardest to forgive ourselves. Forgiving ourselves, we, will be, we can do a hundred amazing things in a week. And one mistake, and all we'll do is dwell on that mistake. You're so dumb. You're so stupid. You're so... And we have to get rid of that. We have to let that out. So we have to forgive ourselves, and then we have to be able to forgive others. And it should transform us. And God's God's delicate balance of justice and forgiveness teaches us how to confess, repent, and restore our relationships. You see, sometimes I think when people think we're talking about forgiveness, we're talking about ignoring justice. Absolutely not. God is a just God. If you think forgiveness means ignoring justice, you don't understand the cross. Because the cross of Jesus Christ reveals the justice of God. The cross of Christ is where the justice of God met the grace of God. And the rightful wrath of God was satisfied and objects of wrath became objects of affection. Forgiveness cost Jesus everything. Your forgiveness was not free. And justice demanded satisfaction and it demanded blood and blood was spilled for your forgiveness and mine. So please don't think that forgiveness means that, that we're ignoring justice. Absolutely not. You clearly don't understand forgiveness if you think that's the case. And so, but if there's ever been a time in our culture, if there's ever been a time in our church, if there's ever been a time in our nature, if there's ever been a time in our world, if there's ever been a time in our individual lives for this message, it's right now. This is a right now message. I have watched as we have been fractured in too many ways to count. I have, and just in case you thought 2020 was over, there is an election in November. And if you and I don't get our hearts centered on Jesus, it's only going to be worse. You think we've blown up so far? It don't matter who wins. Let it sink in because you don't believe me. Let something happen unusual. Let your candidate not win and see how quickly you turn on your brothers and sisters. I'm just trying to get our hearts ready now because God is going to be God on election Wednesday. That's a couple claps. Thank you for those few claps. Because you know what? That's a direct reflection of what Wednesday's going to look like unless we get our hearts right. Right? Racial lines have been drawn in the sand. Political allegiances are stronger than our faith and love for one another. 
I said political allegiances are stronger than our faith and our love for one another. And our message has been hijacked from a message of God to a message of good. And hurt people hurt people. And I want you to know that in our country, in our church, in our families, we've been doing an above average job of hurting one another. And anybody who speaks against it is immediately told to, be sh- to shut up and be silent. Especially if somebody tries to come straight out of God's word. Oh no, God's word doesn't work. Or is it your faith that doesn't work? I'm glad I'm talking about forgiveness so you can forgive me. Right? Truthfully, the metal of our relationships has been tested and it has, found to, it has been found to be unstable and shakable. The metal of our relationships with God have, have been tested and proven to be unstable and shakable because we have turned to someone else for justice other than God. The, the metal of our relationships has been tested and shown uh, unstable and shakable as we have declared one another family. We don't use the word membership at City on a Hill Church. We use the word family. And we have divorced one another over this. The true test of our metal is truly when, when we come against a major setback and we refuse to give up, but instead we find another way because our God is a way maker. And if he's a way maker and he lives in me, then I'm a way maker and that means we're a way maker and we need to make a way. So what's the key here? What's the key? You see, the thing that holds us back from forgiveness is somehow we feel justified. And we think that justice doesn't matter. So I'm going to, I will throw out the Bible. I'll throw out God. I'll throw out prayer. I'll throw out everything for the sake of justice. So that means now justice is your God. Well, unfortunately, justice is an attribute of God and you can't have justice without God. That's something I want you to write down and keep in your heart. You see, the thing that I want you to remember is this. A person who repents should be forgiven. However, consequences for their trespasses will remain. This is what I want you to understand. A person who repents should be forgiven. Forgiveness is not the question. However, consequences for their trespass will remain. It's a biblical principle. You don't believe me? One of our favorite stories of forgiveness is the prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son who said, Father, I wish you were dead. Give me everything that I have. I'm going to go now. It's in Luke 15. And I'm going, I want my half now, even before you're dead. I'm going to go spend it on wine, women, and song. And then he comes to his senses and he comes back. Right? And he's forgiven. And the older son gets mad. The older son says, What? You mean to tell me he went wine, women, and song, he had a party, he had a blast, and now he's back, and the father in Luke 15, 31 says, son, what are you mad about? Everything that I have, everything left, everything, it's still yours. He's not getting that. His consequence is he spent his inheritance. He's not all of a sudden getting half of your half. 
Uh-uh, he's not getting half of your half. The, his consequence is he has spent his total inheritance. But he was dead, now he's alive. Come on, we got a party. Your son, your brother was dead, now he's alive. We got to celebrate. It doesn't affect you. His consequence remains. And the consequence is the same way. You know, go rob a bank, right? Then go before the judge and say, well, Jesus forgave me. They're like, yeah, that's great. Here's 30 years. Right? Am I right or wrong? There's still a consequence. There's still some relationships are, are not going to ever be the same again because of a consequence. But it doesn't mean we can't forgive. See, Proverbs 22, 3 says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Matthew 10, 16 says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. The context is simple. He says, when you're keeping company with unrepentant sinners, we must be innocent, meaning willing to forgive, yet at the same time we must be shrewd, means we need to be cautious who you're letting in your life. We can love them from a distance. You don't have to like them, but you can love them from a distance. Sometimes that's just what's best for them and you. It's not easy, but it's true. So we need to be willing to forgive, but we need to be cautious. So, so here are the things I want you to see this morning. We can be committed to forgiveness and justice when we follow the biblical model and we face our own sin and seek forgiveness from those who we have wounded. You see, Matthew 18 gives us the perfect opportunity. It is straight out of God's word and I want to read it to you in its it's in its entirety and then we're going to unpack it together I'm going to start in verse 18 from uh, Matthew chapter 18 and uh, actually I'm going to start in verse 15 I like that it says this it says if your brother sins against you go everybody say go so it says if your brother sins against you go tell him about his fault between you and him alone meaning Quit gossiping. Quit running your gator. Quit talking to somebody else before you talk to God. Before you talk to the person. I get it all the time from people. Before they ever talk to the other person, they talk to me. And I say, wait a second, have you talked to them? Then you're out of order. You need to read Matthew 18. That won't go over well, by the way. They'll accuse you of all kinds of things when you tell them to settle it. He's supposed to be a pastor. Yeah, and I'm supposed to be leading you in God's word, which means not letting you be a gossip. Trust me, I get letters. Trust me. And tell him his faults between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. If they listen, that you've gained a brother. But if he doesn't listen, then take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. In other words, then you allow other godly people to speak into the thing and be willing to be corrected yourself. That ain't easy, is it? And if he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. Boy, if I had to do that, we would spend all Sunday 
We'd spend all Sunday up here. I'd be like case number 6,223. And if he refuses to listen even to, even, even to the church, let him, uh, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Meaning, let them be to someone who disobeys the word of God, who has no God but themselves. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, a lot of uh, Pentecostals have taken this out of context. We like this binding and loosing, hallelujah. But what we don't understand is what's actually being said in the Greek is they're actually saying whatever you bind as in whatever sentence you pronounce. Whatever you say that is pronounced unlawful according to the word of God will be considered unlawful. And whatever you loose, whatever you forgive will be considered forgiven on earth as it is in heaven. See, there's a difference between just binding and loosing. This binding and loosing is actually what is unlawful versus what is lawful. And it is our job to make sure that we are the ones that are in agreement with what's truth. That'll change the way sometimes we pray, won't it? Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth, see what, I'm, see what just happened there? If you agree on earth, right? Ask, and it'll be done by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Now, for you and I to understand that, we must understand that we must be gathered in his name. Not in the name of something else. I said not in the name of something else, but in the name of Jesus. Okay? So then Jesus says, just in case you don't understand it, I'm going to unpack it a little bit further. So he says, then Peter came up to him and said, like some people right now are thinking, this man has lost his mind. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? That's a human question, isn't it? Come on now, let's all be honest. You know we're tired of that one person. You know what I'm saying? You know they bounced on your nerve a thousand times. And Jesus, and, and, and Peter, he tries to be gracious. Peter says, should it be seven times? Then I can punch him in the face. <laughs> seven? That's pretty strong, Jesus. I mean, seven times the dude did the same thing. He ca he's catching on seven, he's catching five. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times. That way we're all clear on that. Did you hear what Jesus said? Because people have a way of twisting the word of God to say something different than it actually says. He said, I did not say seven, so don't misquote me. He says, but seven, seventy, seven. He says, uh, but seventy-seven times. And he means 70 times 7, which means an infinite number in the Greek, meaning as often as he needs it. Now, let me ask you a question. How many times do you want to be forgiven by God? How many times should he forgive you? Seven? Well, I'm done. I was done as soon as I got saved. By the end of the day, I was done. 
70 times 7, 490, I, probably the first year, it's over. Ah, let's go week. The first week, it's over. How many times do you want to be forgiven? So the next time you want to ask someone, how many times should I forgive someone because they keep doing the same thing, ask yourself, how many times do you want God to forgive you? And then, and then Jesus thought, well, I better give a story for this so Peter kind of gets it. So then he says, therefore, the kingdom, of, uh, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Did you know one day God's going to settle accounts with us? Did you know that? There's going to be a day when the king wishes to settle accounts with us. Thanks be to God we have an advocate named Jesus. If you don't have him, I'll hook you up. I'll drop his card on you. Bam! Drop the Jesus card on you. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, Jesus is using this to blow the number out. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees. Do you remember when you fell on your knees in front of Jesus? And you had a debt that could not be paid. You were bankrupt, broke. Do you remember that? Imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. A lie. This man, ten lifetimes could not pay back what he owed the king. But he was willing to lie to get out of trouble. How many people know what I'm talking about? All of us. All of us. We'll be telling all kind of lies. God, I'll do whatever you want if you just get me out of this. Ten minutes later, right back to doing what you did. As soon as the sentence is passed, then you're free. Speaking from experience. He said, be patient with me. Be patient with me. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him from his debt. But when, but when the same servant went out and found, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, meaning just a little teeny tiny amount of money that wouldn't amount to anything. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. And when you and I are not forgiving, that's you and I. That's you and I. And he says this. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. He refused. Everybody say refused. And went out and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. Now, if you put somebody in prison, how are they going to pay the debt? They can't pay the debt from jail. When his fellow servants saw what, he, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported uh, to their master all that had taken place. Other people who knew the goodness of God went and saw that you didn't forgive and so they went on ahead and said hey God did you notice did you notice then his master summoned him and said to him you wicked servant I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me and you should and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you and the anger his master delivered him, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt, which means he could never pay his debt. So 
Also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? From your heart. You see, the struggle that you and I need to see is where we must truly be committed to forgiveness and justice. And when we're willing to, we have to first look at ourselves, our own hearts and lives and actions. This man forgot he had been forgiven for something that he could never pay back. You, me, we have been forgiven for things that we could never pay back. There was death demanded Payment. Death wanted payment for sin, but mercy refused and love took my place. There on the cross where justice met grace, mercy refused to let me die because Jesus, the Lamb, was crucified. Though rightfully death did want me, mercy refused. Afterwards, afterwards we should understand that when God squares it up for us, we should look to square it up with other people by seeking reconciliation. That's why he said, go, go. If a person doesn't want to be forgiven, sees no need to be forgiven or ignores the desire to be reconciled, simply walk away. Don't give yourself a life sentence. Forgive them from your heart. Don't give yourself a life sentence because they don't want it. Just walk away. Keep in mind the context of today's message. Jesus is not saying to forgive and forget. He's saying forgive and be free. It would be silly to think we could forget. We can't forget. We're human. God's the only one that has the ability to not forget. He he chooses to not forget. He chooses to throw your sin as far as the east is from the west. He chooses to never bring it up again. But you and I, when we get mad and we need some kind of ammunition, we'll pull up, remember when you? Right? He said, but you said you forgave me for that. Well, I didn't. (laughs) You didn't lie to me. You lied to God. Forgive him from your heart. You see, Jesus is calling us. It says justice will be done in the end, but Jesus wants to know, do you trust me for justice? Do you trust me? The second thing I want you to see is when we understand that forgiveness is not a suggestion, it is a command. We learn to trust God for the consequences. God didn't say the, te- the, the, the great uh, suggestions, the great ideas. Jesus commands that you forgive. I don't even care if you don't like it. It's straight out of God's word. You can hate me for it for that matter. You can decide that Pastor Mike is the devil's favorite demon if you want to because I'm standing with the word of God. But the bottom line is Jesus commands that you forgive or you won't be forgiven. That's what the word of God says. How many times? Of course, as many times as it takes. And you know how that becomes possible when you trust God with the consequence and ignore evil and ill will, but instead respond biblically in a godly way. 
The way to forgive reflects the true understanding of if you truly have been forgiven. The way that you forgive reveals the way you've been forgiven. And maybe there's some people in the room today, you need to be truly forgiven because you've never really accepted forgiveness from God and forgiveness from yourself. And maybe today's the day you start when you understand the completeness of forgiveness. You see, once you and I understand that we won't face the awful consequence of eternal separation from God, will be easier to forgive. You see, forgiveness, it challenges us. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. In case you think that I didn't give you the ammunition, this is what Jesus said. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who lived, died on a cross, was resurrected, defeated Satan's sin and death for you. You cannot twist his words to say, but you don't have to if they do this. But you don't have to if they did that. You can't twist his words. His words are straightforward. If you do, then you will be. If you don't, then you won't be. Bottom line. Our willingness to forgive reveals either our deep lack of trust or our deep trust in God. We either trust God for justice or we don't. If you need evidence that God's commitment to justice, then don't, don't, please don't ignore Jesus' cross. Don't ignore the stripes on his back. Don't ignore the ungodly beating. Don't ignore the insults, the, 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 the abuse that he took as he hung naked on a cross. If you think that God ignores justice, you totally miss what Jesus did for me and you. It should have been us, but it wasn't. It was him. When you understand that God didn't spare his own son then you can trust him for justice. Every single thing will be made right according to him. And if you don't believe that, then you don't understand the gospel. The third and last thing I want you to see today, when we understand that forgiveness, uh, uh, we understand that, that, that forgiveness does not ignore justice. You see, we can be committed to forgiveness and justice when we understand that forgiveness does not ignore justice. The servant who was forgiven. He ignored justice. He was forgiven in ways that were unimaginable. And you know what else it did? It affected his wife and his children because his wife and his children were then bound. They were bound with him. They were receiving the same sentence. And you know what happened when he was set free? They were set free. You know what happens when you and I choose not to forgive? When you and I choose not to forgive, not just us, but our family and our friends, our church, we all suffer the consequence of your unwillingness to forgive. Your family gets locked in that because they hear the words that come out of your mouth. We sentence them. 
The key is we must forgive from the heart. From the heart. The heart. Because you see, the heart is deceitful above all things. And it's out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Some people need a heart check. Because what your mouth's been saying is what's in your heart. You say it's not there, but what's coming out is what's in your heart. Again, straight out of God's word, that's Jesus. Jesus made that. That's not a really cool saying that you can tweet and say, oh, Pastor Mike said this. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Not to forgive is to be the one who owed the king an impossible amount that you could never pay back in your whole lifetime. To beg for mercy, to get it, and think you owe no one anything. He forgot his debt. Have you forgotten your debt? Have you forgotten what God did for you when he picked you up and turned you around? Have you forgotten what it felt like to be hopeless and helpless? Have you forgotten what it felt like to be in an insurmountable amount of bankruptcy? Have you forgotten? I haven't. I thought death was the only way out for me. I longed for death before I met Jesus because I just wanted it to be over. But then Jesus came and he did something impossible, improbable. He forgave a guy like me. And he loved me while I was still that ugly, terrible, heartless monster. He still loved me. That's my life verse, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love in this, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I could never wrap my mind around. I didn't, hell did not even scare me. It does now, but it didn't then. And the only reason hell scares me now is because it means I'll be forever separated from the love of God, never to feel it ever again. And that would be worse torment to me than any fire. To never feel the love of Jesus again. To never have a chance to feel his love again. That, and to know that I chose that myself. I made that decision can't imagine it. I'd rather have Jesus, man. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this old world can afford me today. I'd rather have Jesus. You see, this man, he sentenced his offender to life in prison. And actually, when he sentenced his offender, you know who he actually sentenced? Himself. And you know what happens when you and I don't forgive? You don't sentence the other person. You sentence yourself. And you know what you do? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. God's justice is pure and holy. Our justice is marred and mired by bias, selfishness, and unforgiveness. Forgiving someone doesn't excuse them because they still have to face the consequence. But forgiving them means you leave them to God. 
God didn't excuse your consequence. Why would he excuse theirs? And if by some chance, by some amazing chance, your offender finds Jesus, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it? Guys, this is the way. Church, we're family. If we can't do it here, we can't do it out there. Have the conversation. Make the call. Let yourself out of prison. Do it today. Don't wait. Do it today. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I've preached your message the best way I know how. Jesus, I've preached your words of life. And the truth is, Jesus, we need you more than our heartbeat. We need you more than our next breath. If you know Jesus, if you know him and you're listening or you're in this room right now and you need to be forgiven for unforgiveness right now, repent. Repent right where you're at right now. Forgive me for unforgiveness, God. Right where you're at, I want you to tell God the truth right where you're at. I want him to hear from your lips. I release my offender. I forgive them fully, not by my power, but by your power. And I leave justice to you, God. I leave justice to you, God, right where you're at. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven right now, right here. If you're listening to me in this room or you're listening to me via Facebook and you say, Pastor Mike, I want that kind of forgiveness. I need that kind of forgiveness. Then right where you're at, right now, in this moment, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I owe a debt that I cannot pay. But today I found out that you will pay that debt for me and you'll pay it in full. And I ask you to forgive me. I know that I'm not going to be perfect and I can't be perfect, but you were. So I can be perfected. So Holy Spirit, come and live in me and guide me in the way of forgiveness, in the way of love and mercy. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. It is in Jesus' name that I pray this prayer. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's an awesome God.